All right, if you will, take your Bibles out with me and go with me to the book of Matthew today. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll cover verses 1 through 4 here in just a moment. Matthew 6, starting in verse 1. Now, each January, I like to take kind of a break from our typical sermon series through books of the Bible and do a few topical sermons. So, Lord willing, we'll do a few topical sermons here in January. And then my plan, Lord willing, again, these could change if the Lord wills. uh, My plan is to go through the book of Ephesians after January. So we'll do a few topical sermons here in January and then go through Ephesians verse by verse. Uh, But today, we're covering giving, the secret worship of giving. Now, you might be asking, and I wouldn't put this past you, I wouldn't blame you, why a sermon on giving? Why now a sermon on giving? We had a record year financially last year. I mean, a record year financially for Columbia Christian Church. We outgave our budget once again In a year where many churches were struggling and some had to close their doors due to financial reasons, we thrived. And so why a sermon on giving? Well, two main reasons. Number one, because giving is a spiritual discipline. It's something that every Christ follower must cultivate. Giving is part of living the holy life that God has called each one of us to. And so... We must teach on this regularly. This has got to be a regular thing in the life of any church because this is not about the budget of Columbia Christian Church. This is not about the financial health of this church. It's about the spiritual health of each one of you. It's about the spiritual health of each individual Christian. Giving is a spiritual discipline and giving is worship. Giving is Worship. In Philippians 4.18, Paul tells us that the Christians in Philippi were giving him financial gifts, and he called those gifts a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. That's what he said about their financial gifts. Giving is worship. We must work hard, brothers and sisters, to prevent our giving from becoming a worshipless habit. Now, In one sense, praise the Lord if your giving is such a habit that it's become kind of mindless, right? In one sense, we should praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord if you have instituted this as a habit in your life and such a discipline that it just happens regularly every week for you, right? Some of us are not there yet. Some of us might need to to make this a weekly habit. Some of us might need to, in this new year, make it a weekly habit to give, But for those of us for whom it is a habit, we must work hard to prevent our giving from becoming worshipless. A mindless thing we do, like paying the bills. We've got to fight to make it a part of our worship. We used to, before COVID-19, we used to pass the plates during the worship service, right? We'd have an elder or deacon pray over the offering, and we would sing the doxology after the offering as a way of thanking God for everything that he has given. Praise him from whom all blessings flow, right? It was clearly a part of our worship explicitly in the service, but COVID-19 changed that, right? Now we kind of drop off our offerings on the way here uh, or the way out. We, We give online, some of us. And so we've got to think, how are we going to make sure that this is not just paying the bills spiritually, 
but it's an act of worship from me to the Lord. And so in light of that, let's read our text today. Matthew 6, starting in verse 1, we'll read down to verse 4. This is the words of Jesus our Lord in the middle of that famous Sermon on the Mount. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. There's three things I want to point out to you about this text, what, what it tells us and what Jesus tells us about giving. Number one is this, Jesus expects us to give. We see that in our text, he expects it. Notice in verse 2 and in verse 3, he says, when you give. When you give. He does not say if you give, he says when you give. Jesus assumes that godly people give regularly. He just assumes it, right? He doesn't talk about whether or not we're going to. He assumes it and he moves on to teach about how you do it. And so to Jesus, if you're a godly person... He assumes you will be giving. If you're following the Lord, he assumes you will be regularly giving of your means. Imagine a mom and dad going to a parenting seminar. And at that parenting seminar, they say, and parents, when you punish your children, when you discipline your children, and the mom and dad raise their hand and they say, oh, actually, we, we don't discipline our kids. We, we prefer a more hands-off approach. That makes no sense at all, right? It's, it's unthinkable that you'd have a good parent that would not discipline their child. It's unfathomable. And in the same way, it was unfathomable to Jesus that a, father, a follower of God would not be giving. He simply assumes it when you give. Now notice also, giving here is the very first in three examples that he gives about what he says in verse 1, practicing your righteousness. Notice how he says that in verse 1. He talks about practicing your righteousness. Now he says, beware, don't practice your righteousness before other people. But he is talking about what Christians should be doing, practicing their righteousness. The new year is a great time to take stock of our lives, right? Great time to sit and look back on what our lives have been like and what our lives need to be like. Do we need to make changes in a certain area? Specifically, it's a great time also to look at our giving habits. The New Year's always been a really good time, really practically good time, to sit down either on your own or if you live with someone, with your spouse perhaps, and to ask questions like, do we need to make changes in this area of giving? Has our financial situation changed? Have we gotten raises recently that would uh, warrant us giving more? Or, or do we actually need to take it back and give less because we have had a financial change in our lives? Do we want to begin perhaps giving to a particular ministry or missionary on top of what we give 
to our local church. The new year is a wonderful time to stop and take stock of your giving, but also it's a great time to take stock of your own spiritual life. How am I practicing my righteousness? How am I practicing righteousness? In what ways can I be doing better in this area? When Jesus speaks of practicing your righteousness, he's speaking of spiritual disciplines, right? Ways that we draw near to God, ways that we pursue God through habits, right? Through effort. And so it's a good time right now in the new year to ask, how am I doing in my personal pursuit of God? How are you doing? How are you doing in your own personal pursuit of God? How are you doing in Bible reading? How are you doing reading the Bible on your own? Are there changes that you need to make? Stop and take take a look at your life, at your habits. How can I make sure that I'm carving out time to read God's word regularly, to spend with him? I told my Sunday school class this morning, perhaps this is a wonderful time to go out and treat yourself to a new Bible, right? That, that has a good place in it to write notes and get, get yourself some pens and get yourself a time in the morning or a time in the evening when you're ready to do this and a place to do it and set yourself up in such a way that you look forward to this discipline of reading your Bible. But how am I doing in my, my spiritual disciplines? What about prayer? How's my prayer life been And what changes do I need to make? What about fellowship with the body of Christ? Attendance and worship and other fellowship activities with our brothers and sisters here at the church. Of course, giving, which we're talking about today, but things like fasting and evangelism. How am I doing with pursuing the Lord? How am I doing with spiritual disciplines? The new year is a wonderful time to take stock of our own spiritual lives. Now, specifically, I want you to notice in this text how Jesus doesn't just say when you give, right? But what does he say? He says, but when you give to the needy, he says that in both verses two and three, when you give to the needy. Now, one of the things that this means for us as a church is that the leaders of this church, ministers, elders, deacons, we have to ask ourselves How are we ensuring that a portion of our congregation's giving goes to the needy, those who need it, those who have needs, those who are hurting, those who perhaps are not as fortunate as we are? Now, this is not the only way that we are commanded to give or the only thing we're commanded to give to in Scripture. We'll see plenty of passages in the New Testament where Paul speaks of giving to the work of ministry where Paul speaks of giving to support those who labor in preaching and teaching and pastoring, or giving to spread the gospel. We see that all over the New Testament. But he does say here specifically, Jesus does, when you give to the needy. And so we need to ask as a church, this is especially for us as church leaders, ministers, elders, and deacons, how can we make sure In our board meetings, how can we make sure when we go over our budget, how are we ensuring that a portion of our congregation's giving goes toward the needy? And then each of us need to ask that question individually, right? How am I giving to the needy? I'm not going to give you a bunch of advice on this here, just questions that we need to stop and ask ourselves when it comes to this. But notice, Jesus doesn't just expect us to give. He tells us how we should give in the text, right? And he tells us that we should give in secret. He says we should give in secret. Verse 4, look at that. 
that your giving may be in secret. Or look at verses 1 and 2, where he talks about how we should not give for the sake of recognition. Beware, he says, beware this. Beware practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Or verse 2, sound no trumpet before you when you give, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Do not give, brothers and sisters, for recognition. Jesus mentions hypocrites who do this. They give so that people will recognize them. And they are being hypocrites, he says, when they do such things. Why? Because of what giving is, right? What is giving? It's giving for God and for others. This is not for us, right? It's hypocritical to give in such a way that you seek recognition. These are people who want to take a picture with the big, huge check, right? With the big smile and have that that picture splashed all over the newspapers and the websites, They want to have a building named after them. They want everyone to look at them and admire their holiness. And Jesus says, beware of this. Beware. Now, why does he say beware? He says beware because our sinful human nature causes every single one of us to want this. Every single one of us at times wants recognition for the way that we practice our righteousness. The sinful pride is in all of us. We are all capable of feeling this. Perhaps we're not blowing trumpets in the streets like these people, but perhaps we just want to casually throw it in a conversation. Just, just casually. We're going to make it sound humble. We're going to make it subtle. But casually talk about how, how I give, right? Perhaps we maneuver to make sure people see us getting our check out of our pockets and putting it in the offering basket, right? Excuse me, I I need to go give now. We all have a tendency toward this. And so Jesus says, beware, this sinful pride lurks inside each one of us. Do not give for recognition, brothers and sisters. Give in secret. Give in secret. Verse 3 says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, this is a figure of speech Jesus is doing. How in the world, you might say, can I do something where my left hand doesn't know what my right hand is doing? How can I I mess with my brain to to stop the, the connection there between left and right hand and my mind? Jesus is using a figure of speech. The idea is... You should be so far away in your mind and heart from desiring recognition that that you even forget what you did. You don't think about it, right? When you put that check in the basket, do not congratulate yourself, even if only in your mind. Forget about it as soon as you do it. Put it out of your mind that you just did something of worth in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we have a sinful tendency toward pride. We all have a sinful tendency toward wanting recognition for practicing our righteousness. When you give, do not announce it. Do not seek to make others aware. Now, we have to say, this does not mean it's always a sin to talk about your own giving to someone else in any atmosphere. 
That's not what Jesus is saying. Parents, we are expected to teach our kids about giving, right? And to do that, you're going to have to talk about how you give. You're going to have to do that. In fact, parents, this is, this is paramount. This is really important, especially now that we don't pass the plates anymore, right? How are we going to teach our kids about the importance of giving as a spiritual discipline? We've got to think hard about this. We've got to make sure we we take steps to teach our kids about this instead of just expecting that when they grow up, they'll do what we did, right? And so parents, we've got to teach our kids. Or let's think about if you, as a, a Christian who have been a Christian for a little while, if you find yourself at times, and I hope you will, I hope you do, if you find yourself at times teaching a younger, less mature believer how to follow Christ, If you find yourself in that situation, there may very well be times when you teach them about the discipline of giving, right? And so it's not always a sin to talk about your own giving to someone else in every atmosphere. But what this means is do not give for attention. Do not seek attention and recognition for your giving. Give in secret. Give in secret, brothers and sisters. Now, finally... Jesus does not just tell us to give in secret. He says, give to receive a reward from God. Give in order that you may receive a word, a reward from God. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. He says at the end of verse 1, If you do this to be seen by people, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then he says, when you give to the needy, don't sound trumpets before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, that they may be praised by others. Watch what he says at the end. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Right? What he's saying here is this. If you get a reward now for your righteous deeds, perhaps forgiving, if you get a reward now through recognition from other people, then you forfeit your reward from God in heaven later. If you receive a reward now, you forfeit your eternal heavenly rewards later. Now, it's interesting. It's so interesting to see this and other parts of the New Testament, especially in the words of Jesus. He does not say, give not for your own sake, but for the sake of others, and that's it. Jesus does not say, give for the Lord, and then forget about yourself. He does not say that. He does not say, do not think about your own rewards as you give. He does not say that. We would expect him to say that, but that's not what he says. What he says is, give in order to receive a reward in heaven. Pursue heavenly rewards as you give and as you practice your righteousness. He tells us to pursue them. You see, it's not just giving that we're talking about here. The desire to have our righteous deeds made known and to receive recognition for them goes far beyond giving. Because we love to have recognition for what we do. We love it. There's a sinful tendency in every single one of us. We love it. We love to post pictures of our mission trips online so that everyone can see the good deeds we are doing. We love to announce all the awesome things our church is doing to serve the kingdom. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, churches, and I'm part of this, churches are some of the worst at self-congratulation. 
They're some of the worst. We want others to look at us. We want them to compliment us. But no, this principle that Jesus is laying down, if you receive these rewards now, you forfeit your reward from God in heaven. But the flip side is also true. The flip side is also true. If you practice your righteousness in secret and you don't receive a reward now, God will reward you later. And God's rewards are certainly better than the rewards that you will receive from others here and now. Amen? God's rewards are infinitely better than all the recognition and praise that you could receive here and now. Look down with me in this same chapter at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Look down in your, in your Bibles, verse 19, Matthew 6. This is still that, that Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says in Matthew six nineteen, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seek treasure. Seek rewards. But seek the ones that come from God in heaven and not the ones that come from people here and now. Look at verse 4 in our text. Verse 4 at the end, Jesus says, So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice that phrase, your Father who sees in secret. So the question is put to all of us, how can we have freedom from this sinful desire to have our righteous deeds known and praised? How can I have freedom from this? I have this sinful desire. I hate it inside myself sometimes. I actually want people to know what I'm doing and I want people to praise me. But I see from Jesus that I'm forfeiting my reward in heaven if I do that. How can I get free from this sinful desire of my sinful flesh? Where does that freedom come from? It comes from knowing that God sees in secret. God sees everything you do when no one else does. When you do something that no one else knows about, God saw that. He sees that. He made a record of that. And so the person who truly knows God, they don't need to announce their righteous deeds. They don't need the recognition. They know that God sees what they did. And that means more to them than worldwide recognition. It means more to them than anything this world has to offer because the rewards that come from God are so much greater than any reward we could get here and now. The mature, godly person would never sacrifice a reward from God for a temporary, worldly reward. Don't do it. Don't sacrifice the eternal, heavenly reward that you could have from your Father in heaven, from the one who owns everything and is more generous than any person you've ever met and is more rich and wealthy than any person you have ever met. Don't sacrifice a reward from Him for this Little, temporary, small, piddly reward of recognition from other people here and now. Give 
in secret so that you may receive a reward from the one who sees what is done in secret. Brothers and sisters, as with every principle in the Bible, we follow our brother Jesus Christ in this. He is our ultimate example. Consider Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate example of the one who he, he gave up worldly rewards. He gave up worldly recognition for an eternal reward from his father. Consider Jesus who sacrificed all of it. Last week in Philippians 2, we saw he came to this earth. He took the very nature of a servant as he did. He silently submitted to persecution, arrest, ridicule, and then crucifixion. Jesus resisted the desire of the people to make him a king. He refused to assert his authority. He refused to shame those who reviled him. He refused to destroy his executioners. And because he humbled himself, Jesus was given the name that is above every name. He was exalted to the highest place. Because he humbled himself, he was exalted. He's our ultimate example in this. He he forgoes worldly rewards and recognition so that he may receive the ultimate reward from his Father in heaven, the lasting reward for all time. God exalts him to the highest place, gives him the name above every name. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, God will humble you. It's the message of Scripture. It's the message of the life of Christ. It's the message of the cross, right? Humble yourself and God will lift you up in his time, in his way. And that way will be better than any way you could be lifted up here and now on this earth. Jesus died for you so that you could experience the rewards of God in heaven. Are you in Christ this morning? As we come into 2022, are you in Christ? None of us knows what's going to happen. If 2020 taught us anything, none of us knows what's going to happen this year. We have no idea. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed to make it to 2023. Are you in Christ? Are you secure in Christ today? Are you confident that if this is the year Jesus returns, that you will be given entrance into eternal life and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you know him? Do you love him? Have you found him? Has he found you this morning? We're going to spend some time in silent prayer now, reflecting upon God's word to us. As we do, we ask each and every one of us in here today, I ask each and every one of you to go to the Lord in prayer, to speak back to him a response to what he has just spoken to you. And after we have a few moments of silent prayer for all of us, for all of us to respond personally, we'll have a time where we can come back and anyone who needs to respond publicly to God's word can do so. Let's pray.